It's got a soul, this here old farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We walk the fields under the stars. For love is here in Goldshaw Farms. Welcome to Goldshaw Farm. I'm your host, Morgan Gold. On each episode of our podcast, we bring you stories of people who are homesteading, farming, and chasing their dreams. And as I live out here on our farm here in uh, northern Vermont, I realized that it was a it was a long trip to get here. I've told the story a bit in other podcasts, so I'm not going to go all into the details, but I think about the progression a lot. You know, I started uh, trying to grow rooftop tomatoes in our apartment in Brooklyn. Then I moved to turning a uh, postage size, uh, uh, you know, front yard into a, of a row house into a garden when I was living in Washington D.C. Before ultimately we we ended up here on this 160 plus acre farm. That progression though was really important because it was with each tiny little step and with each affirmative step, it it built my confidence and it got me more engaged and more energized to try to do more and more. I found the the progression of of trying to get everything going here and trying to grow food and trying to grow our own food specifically um, to be something very healing and very therapeutic. And I know I'm not alone in this. I think there's a lot of people out there who will extol the benefits of dirt therapy and growing your own food and working with your hands and just how good that type of work is on the soul. And uh, I, I, I think that it's important to step back and recognize that. I've got a friend, she's out in California, and, and she's actually somebody who's taken this idea of, of therapy and homesteading and tried to put the two together a bit. And, and she's really still trying to find what's the right rhythm for herself and for her homestead, and, and she's still working on it at a very, very small scale. But I think that there's actually a lot of potential in some of her ideas and some of the things that she's trying to do right now. And so I figured for today's episode, it would be great to sit down with her and, and have a conversation. So today, we're talking to Natalie Argo of Hey, It's a Good Life, and, and she's out in San Diego area. And, and she's doing some very interesting things. Um, I've always really loved animals. And then... I think I had some like not so great things happen in my life because I had this like, I need to fight injustice streak for a while. And I was like, I'm going to be a cop. Um, and then I I don't know. I I always had a creative side. I thought I was going to be like a fashion designer or an interior designer. Um, and then, yeah, I took my first psych class in, in high school and I was like, Oh, this is really interesting. This I could do forever. Uh, and so then I went and became a therapist so. so, so that was something like from your teenage years on, you like really wanted to, to be a therapist. Like that was your goal. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think my parents really had an interest in psychology and, um, we kind of always talked about psychology stuff as a family. Uh, and so they probably passed it on a little bit, but for me, I just knew I wanted to help people and I wanted to help people on a large scale. Um, and yeah, so 
I just kind of knew ever since that first psych class, which I think is really rare. I think a lot of people like don't get that experience. And that's why there's like so much confusion with, um, you know, people my age approaching 30 and they're like, well, what do I do with my life? And, um, I definitely can consider that a, a rare gift. And, you know, as you've been doing that now, you've been working as a therapist for how long? Like, what type of therapy do you do? So I am a marriage and family therapist, but I feel like the um, title is a little misleading um, because we're literally trained to work with everybody, everybody, every population. Um, So I've been working as a therapist probably around five years now, um, including, like, the lay work that led up to licensure. Um, and I've done everything from, uh, addictions and recovery to, uh, eating disorders and recovery. Um, uh, and currently I work with leaders, uh, from across the nation, uh, through this organization, they come, they come to the seminar and then I help lead the group facilitation afterwards. And that's probably like, I love that job so much, but I only get to do it like once a month. So then in between, when I do that, I'm meeting with clients on the phone. Um, I'm meeting with old clients, starting to develop a new practice here in San Diego. And yeah. So, and I mean, all of that is very interesting, but, but we wouldn't be sitting down necessarily and talking if it was just that. Describe <laughs> for me the other side of your life. <laughs> yeah. So the other side of my life is, is what you see behind me. Um, I spent a lot of time out here and yeah, this is like my haven at night. Um, when I come home, this is, this is where I'm at. It's the garden. And, uh, when Tommy and I first got married, okay, let me back, back story. My dad passed away from cancer almost seven years ago. And at the time we thought we were doing everything right. Um, we weren't, we were doing everything like totally, totally wrong. Um, and I think maybe deep down inside there's some regret about that um do i think the outcome would have been different no because i kind of think everything happens for a reason but it really opened my eyes to how broken the food system is and so i kind of started doing this like nosedive into the food system and then when tommy and i got married i just felt this new weight of responsibility of like oh my gosh like i'm aware that the food system is so broken i'm aware of what happened with my father um I feel this new weight of responsibility to provide for my family, but I feel like I can't get quality food and I feel like the supermarkets are lying to me. So what do I do? Um, and in that moment, I kind of reconnected to this dream that I had. Um, when Tommy and I first met, he said, if you could do anything, what would you do? And I said, well, I'd be a therapist on a ranch and I'd have clients come out to the ranch and we'd do therapy and we'd ride horses and we'd grow things. Um, and I really set that on the back burner after getting married and being in California where everything is just so expensive. I was like, Oh, what a, what a silly dream that was. Um, so anyway, we got married, new responsibility of food and it kind of reconnected me like how far off is this dream? And I started uh, watching a lot of videos online and it really all started with Joel Salatin. Well, it really started with my friends over at Primal Pastors and they were really into Joel Salatin. And then I read and watched everything I could on Joel, which led me to Justin Rhodes. Uh, and I watched the, like, the whole American Farm Tour. And then I think at some point, Jess's video popped up, which led me to Roots and Refuge, to that one video. And it's called, uh, For Those Waiting on the Fulfillment of Their Farm Dreams. And I'm like, <laughs> like sobbing, right? Like Tommy knew a year and a half ago, if he walked out into the living room and I was curled up under a blanket with my laptop and I was crying, that I wasn't watching some soap opera. I was 
watching YouTube videos about farming. <laughs> and so I watched that and I was like, okay, I finally have to start my YouTube channel, which is something I've always wanted to do. And um, anyway, so that's where the journey with growing our own food began. That's where the connection to this bigger dream and purpose um, kind of reawoken. Um, and so for me, like this is all practice for when we do have the land and when we do have the healing ranch. As you think about this idea of connecting therapy with growing food, like how does that work? What's the relationship that exists there? Um, well, I think healing really starts with, they say you are what you eat, right? And so I know for me when I've eaten really poorly, uh, I don't feel really great. Um, now, here's what's so ironic about my particular licensure is I'm literally not allowed to counsel people on their nutrition, which is kind of wild to me. So it really makes me wonder, like, am I going to be a marriage and family therapist for very long? Do I need to go like the life cooking route? Whole topic conversation for another time. Um, there is something so therapeutic about being in the garden as well. Uh, starting the school garden, we saw kids who really struggle with insecurities and bullying, suddenly they're friends in the garden. Everything's fine in the garden because we're all working towards this unified goal. So I think it starts with your nutrition. I think that there's something to be said about how therapeutic it is to be in the garden. I think a lot of us who are gardeners know that because we're all like, oh, it feels so good to get you know my hands back in the dirt. Oh, it feels so good to plant these seeds. Um, and then I think that there's something really beneficial to say, hey, I grew that and now I can eat that and then I can regrow that. And it's like this beautiful cycle that we're meant to be a part of, but um, we've really disconnected from. And in therapy, uh, trauma is actually disconnection. Um, I forget the root word, but essentially when you experience trauma, um, you're, you fracture a little bit. And in some ways our society is fractured. We're not connected to um, agriculture really anymore. We go, oh, this is great. I bought this on, on sale at the supermarket. That's wonderful. Um, but when we can start to rebuild that connection to like, where did this food actually come from? Where was it grown? Who grew it? Um, and develop that connection. I think we start to heal on a cultural level. Um, and I think on a personal level as well. So for me, growing your own food is, is huge. It's really important on, on a lot of levels. And the last thing I would say about it is that this idea of self-actualization comes with a lot of um, developing independence. And I think when we become dependent on this, like, uh, what's the right word? Abstract source of our food, it's kind of nerve wracking. But when we can say, wow, I know how to grow this. I know when to grow it. I know how to protect it. And then I know how to harvest it to nourish my body. I think that's one of the ultimate forms of independence and self-actualization and healing. So there's my long-winded answer for you. Well, that last reason I think is a, is a very important one because, you know, as people have this drive towards self-sufficiency and growing their own food and taking control of, of their food and where it comes from and what they're providing their families – there does seem to be this inherent power that it kind of unlocks for people when you do it. And, and I've always tried to dig underneath and get a better sense of, well, why is that? Like, what does that do for you? And like between your ears that like actually makes that feeling emerge from you inside. Yeah. 
yeah, there is very empowering to grow your own food. And when we can become more self-sustaining and self-sufficient and not dependent on a source that is harmful to us, like if we look at attachment therapy, for example, and this is me getting like, this is the psychologist in me coming out, right? But indulge me for a second. When we look at <laughs> attachment therapy and we say, uh, okay, this, this young child has developed a uh, dissociate, I'm sorry, a disorganized attachment it's because the parent was the source of the comfort and the distress. And I think in some ways we're repeating that on an agricultural level um, when we've got this really like ubiquitous understanding of like where does the food come from and what's happening to it. Um, and then some of the food has been tainted with chemicals, but it's also the food, like some of the only food that we have access to. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's incredibly empowering, incredibly healing on a lot of levels to grow your own food. Mm. Like six garden beds with 10 cubic yards of soil. It's okay. You're tired. Take a little rest. The garden will be here in a couple of days. And I'm just kind of learning how to navigate that conversation with myself. So for me, it looks like listening to when I'm tired. Yeah, you know, I, th I think that's one of the things I like never do. <laughs> like, I mean, to like my detriment, you know, not like it's a good thing at all, where it's like, yeah, you keep pushing past this point of exhaustion and you like get burnt out or you injure yourself. You know, like, what tips do you have for people who, who might be thinking about, well, how do I listen to myself just a little bit better and, and, and do a little bit more of that self care? Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. You hit the nail on the head. I, I don't know if, you're asking this because you know my heart, but my heart is totally about self-care and helping people learn to listen to that part of themselves. Um, I think it's really easy to discredit that. Uh, the advice that I would give to somebody who needs a little bit more self-care or who's wanting to develop that is develop some kind of routine. For me, it sounds so silly, but from going from using just like an over-the-counter face scrub, which maybe I used it, maybe I didn't, to actually using this little scrubber that my friend bought me and actually using some quality like spa products, um, I have developed this little routine that says, hey, I care about you, self. And it's really helped me to develop this like connection with a deeper part of myself that says, hey, I, I actually care about the person inside of there enough to like do this little routine it only takes three minutes but you feel great afterwards and you're ready to start your day or you're ready to go to bed um so i would say get in some kind of routine and that looks different for everybody um and to that i also add like a walk at least getting outside once a day which is easy to do in, in garden season right so when i see what you're doing at your place and, and all you know the rays they're the beds that you have that are you know essentially kind of big long containers uh for people who aren't familiar with it it reminds me so much of like when i was living in brooklyn and doing like lots of rooftop tomatoes out of basically buckets and containers how do you approach that type of gardening and planning at that scale where you're trying to you know be efficient and use the tiny space that you've got but but at the same time you know think about what you can produce and, and how to maximize what you're producing but then also have fun while doing it yeah that's a good question. So I think I did the math and based on the square footage that we have, I could technically plant like 186 different kinds of plants, which for me is a lot. Um, I, you know, I had three little tiny beds on the apartment. And so to go to this, I'm like, oh my gosh, it feels like I have a farm, even though it's really not that much in comparison to other people's places. Um, but for me, it looks like my process looks like, okay, what's, what space do I have? 
Okay, great. What does the sun look like there? Okay, great. Um, let's consider, you know, companion planting. Do any plants that I see, you know, seeds that I have, do they go together? Um, and kind of taking it from there and doing the best that I can to come up with some kind of square foot design. So I try to follow square foot gardening. I'm not the greatest at it. Uh, sometimes I have like a little ADD and I'm like, I think I'll just throw some zinnia here and it will be fine. Um, but yeah, so I try to do square foot gardening and then like when my brain is finally maxed out for capacity and I can't do the garden plan anymore, I just go, okay, I'm just going to put a tomato there and hopefully it's okay. Hmm. Now, now, do you do all the work at your place by yourself? Does your husband help out? Like what sort of work split is there at your place? Probably like 90, 10 right now, but uh, I have to give Tommy a lot of credit. He is the, he is the breadwinner right now. Um, and like the more of the breadwinner than me and he works like seven to five. Um, and so I really appreciate him. But as far as, yeah, as far as like the manual labor that happens around here, it's, it's mostly me and the dreaming and the creating, and it's mostly me. And, um, I've actually been really grateful for it recently because it's helped me realize that I can speak to more people who maybe it is just them. Maybe it is the single mom or the single dad or the widow. And, um, in a way, I think it's kind of a gift that, it's been mostly me doing all these things um, because I hope to show people that it doesn't really matter where you're at. Like, don't make an excuse. If you want to start a garden, you totally can. Well, when you're flying solo on a project, like, like what's the, like, what's the trade-off? Like, what do you see as the upside to that and the downside? Uh, well, the upside is uh, I get to do it my way. Although I will submit my plans to Tommy just to make sure it's, it's okay with the budget and that he's okay with the plan. Like he is an engineer. He, he's got a good brain. He can review things for me. And he's actually drafted up some of the plans in his like CAD imaging software, which has been really cool to collaborate with him on. Um, but yeah, the pros are, I pretty much get to dream it and do it all on my own. The cons are, um, sometimes I have to take breaks and it means I go a little bit slower. Um, but that's okay. Hmm. Learn to befriend that trying to think of any other cons um i can't really think of any i think tommy in general is very supportive and really wants a lot of the same things i think for me i'm more of the visionary i think with that does come like a little bit of loneliness sometimes but we have a really good way of keeping an open dialogue of like are you still on board with this are you still cool with this and and we we talk about it that's cool yeah so Given that we're here in Vermont and while well, we have lots of cold to contend with, one thing we never have a shortage of is, is really water. Um, I know that out in California, especially Southern California, like you're at, water is, is like one of the most complicated factors in gardening. Mm -hmm. How do you manage that? How do you deal with that? Mulch, 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 mulch. <laughs> lots of mulch. I actually still have this giant mulch pile over here that we ordered, we over ordered mulch. Cause I'm like, well, we'll probably need some extra. So we'll just get a little bit extra. And, um, that has been a huge game changer for us as far as water conservation. Um, unfortunately our home, we're in a rental right now and it doesn't even have a gutter system, which I'm just like, wait, what? Like, how do you not have a gutter on this house? Um, I think it'd be really cool to do a water catchment system one day. And that's like the long-term goal. Um, but we'll see. Hmm. And what are your future plans for, for the place you're at right now? 
Uh, that's a good question. The motto right now is leave it better than we found it and, and make your peace with that because we've done a lot to improve the landscape. Uh, as far as how long we're going to be here, we really don't know. Um, truth be told, we kind of heard it from a neighbor that uh, the landlord might like to come back soon. So we're kind of like, it kind of made us anxious. We're like, wow, we just got here and like, what if we have to leave, you know, in, it, in six months from now when the lease is up? That would really... That would really suck. But at the same time, we really want to buy a house. And so we're working really diligently towards that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really hard to say, which can be kind of nerve wracking, if I'm honest. But uh, it's just part of the game right now. Um, long term, we would like to purchase some land um, with a house on it would be nice. But Tommy has recently started looking at container houses and like different workarounds for the housing crisis out here because people our age are having a really hard time breaking into the housing market. Uh, it's very competitive. It's very expensive. Um, and so we're trying to find some creative ways around that. Well, I guess and not necessarily your dream checklist, but your realistic checklist of what you'd want in a, in a longer term property that you'd buy. Yeah. Uh, my dream checklist for a long term property that we would buy. Uh, I really like green. I, it needs to be green. And I don't know if that means it's in California or not. I hope it's in California. Our family is here and we love them, but we'd like to be open to the idea that if we were called somewhere else that we would go. Um, I have always had uh, my heart kind of set on a couple Southern states, uh, specifically the Carolinas are some of my favorite places in the whole world. Uh, and yeah, if we felt like we were supposed to go there, cool. That would be nice. That would, that would check off the green check mark for me. Um, for Tommy, he really wants hills and he wants enough property where he doesn't have to see his neighbors. And I'm like, okay, not seeing them is great. You could put up some trees and that would be fine. I want to not see them or hear them. How about that? So that's like more land. Um, so hills, enough land so that you've got your own privacy. Um, I'd really like there to be water on the property. I'd love to have like a creek. I think that would be really, uh, really special. Um, maybe even like dig it into some kind of a pond. I think that would be really cool. Um, I was going to say something else. Oh, I want enough land so that Tommy can have an airsoft field because the ultimate dream is to have like have, a, have a what? Street, an airsoft field. What, what's that? Airsoft? Airsoft. I don't know that. What? Are you serious? Um, you probably call it something else out there. Um, BB guns. Oh, 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 yeah. BB gun. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so he just runs around shooting people with BB guns? <laughs> <laughs> No, so Tommy is like, he's, he was super into airsoft when I met him. Um, and we actually used to go together on dates. We would go airsofting. Um, and it's something that we haven't really done much of recently. Um, but yeah, I, I have this vision, right? So it's a, it's a healing homestead. It's a healing ranch. People can come for retreats, yoga, cooking classes, horticulture therapy, equine therapy. Like this is this huge dream. Um, but yeah, in that dream, there's definitely an airsoft field, and I hope that by then, Tommy is home on the farm and he can lead people through some airsoft missions. <laughs> I think that would be cool. Like, why not? Wow, that, that's some that that's that is different. I've heard a lot of people's homestead dreams, but I've I've never heard about airsofting. <laughs> yep, there it is. Well, well, so so, what do you see as the steps that you're going to have to take to get to there to get to that place? 
That's a, that's a really good question. That's actually something that we're sitting down and having like very serious conversations about right now. We're like, okay, so we've kind of just been floating along, but like, how do we get intentional about what our next life steps are? Um, and so, yeah, I think, I mean, very practically, like the practical side of me is like, well, we'll probably buy a house and then we'll kind of pay that off and then eventually we'll buy that. But I feel like anything is possible. Like we just looked at, I mean, it's not really raw land. It has uh, citrus on it. So I don't know what to call that, but we recently looked at a property that had like a trailer on it with a grove of citrus and we're like, okay, like, could, could this be it? Um, so we're kind of just open to whatever it might be. I think practically speaking, it will probably be a house and then, you know, work, 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 and then, and then buy a piece of property. But honestly, I mean, anything is possible in the world of YouTube and the internet. So as you know, so <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Cool. And, and for, for somebody who's listening to this and yeah, they're watching YouTube videos and thinking, gosh, you know, I should start growing my own stuff or start my own garden, but I live in an apartment or I live in a tiny space. What advice would you have for that person if they wanted to try to pursue those dreams? Do it. Do it. Don't let anything stop you. I think that there is something magical somewhere between our pain and our passion is our purpose. That's, that's my belief. And so, uh, I think for me, that looks like believing in the fact that I meant to heal and lead people. And I discredited myself from those things because bullies at school said I couldn't do it. And, and I got called all these new names and got excluded from the groups. Um, but those things are still callings on my life. And so now I want to help people heal and launch well into leadership. Um, and that's truly my passion. I love working with leaders. For everybody, I think that looks a little bit different. Maybe for some people, it's they've recovered from an eating disorder and they want to help other people through that. Um, I don't know. But whatever it is, I think it's there for a reason. And I think we can honor that by taking steps towards that. And fear's a liar. So don't listen to fear. Just do it. So, like I said, Natalie is doing some some pretty cool stuff out there, and and I just see so much potential for for the work that she's doing, and I'm really excited for for the direction she's headed in. I think for for society as a whole, if there was more therapy that was connected to growing your own food, it would, it'd be kind of better for everybody. Um, if you want to learn more about Natalie and what she's doing, you can check her out on Instagram at Hey It's a Good Life or on uh, the YouTube at, at Hey It's a Good Life. Uh, she's got some great content that she puts out on a regular basis, both sort of sharing some of her ideas as well as sharing with just what she's doing with growing her own food. And uh, that's that's really all we got for this episode. If you want to get in touch with me, uh, shoot me an email. You can hit me up at goldshawfarm at gmail.com. Um, I'm one of the things too, I want to throw out there, you know, not everybody that we have on this show necessarily has to be a YouTuber or an Instagrammer. I just find that it's often the easiest way to, to get in touch with people or find people from various parts of the country and the world. If you're out there and you think you have a great story or an interesting story to tell, uh, shoot me an email. I'd I'd love to hear from you and and talk about it and see if there's some potential to maybe sit down with you and have a conversation and and share your story with the, the folks who listen to this podcast. And I, again, I always appreciate when you guys rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you're getting your podcasts. 
the more positive reviews we have, the more subscribers we have, um, the more it helps us grow. And, and so uh, I, I really appreciate all the support that you guys have shown so far and uh, continue to support us. And, and, you know, so just thank you. And uh, if you can and don't mind, please keep it up. And I will be back again real soon with another episode. But until then, let's have Keith Pierce play our theme song. It's got a soul, this hero farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We work the fields under the stars. The love is here at Gold Shop Farms. A city life yet had its charms. the stars I fall asleep inside its arms the love is here at Gold Shop Farms the love is here at Gold Shop Farms